Now, see, look at that. How can I just say today something happened that no one in all of the universe would ever have seen coming? I was my own tech support this morning. Like, I got on the computer and did stuff I didn't know I could do. Morning for miracles, can I tell you? And that's exactly what we've come to talk about today. This morning, I don't know about you, but I've come to talk about Jesus. I've come to talk about the wave walker this morning. I've come to talk about the storm karma this morning. I've come to talk about the miracle working power of God this morning. The one who forgives, the one who restores, the one who brings hope and the one who brings life. Just like Anton said, the one who was put to death on a cross for the punishment of the sin for all humanity. And you know what else? Three days later, he rose again. And because of that death, because of that resurrection, he has defeated sickness, he has defeated death, and he has brought us into the very presence of God. Do you know what that means this morning? It means there's no more separation, nothing between you and God anymore, nothing between you anymore. And we are his for all of eternity. Come on, if that's the truth this morning, let's give him some praise. Father, we thank you this morning. You are who you say you are. You are the miracle worker. You are the wonderful one, our saviour, our redeemer. We thank you, God, and we love you so much. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Only you, Jesus, only you can do all those things. Only you. You know, I say all that today to preface this very question. Who do you say Jesus is? Now, I've just told you who I think Jesus is. And there's been a pretty good consensus in the room. And I bet you there's been a few thumbs up online. But the question is, who do you say Jesus is? Because who you say he is will define how you think about him and how you live in response to him. It is very important that you settle who Jesus is to you. And Jesus knew this. So he asked his best friends this very question. In, in the book of Mark in chapter 8, they're going for a walk together, Jesus and his friends, and he says to them, hey, who do people say that I am? And they answered him and they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some say still that you're a prophet. And then Jesus doubles down on them and says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Now, the first time he asked, they answered, but the second time only one guy answered. So I'm going to take a bit of biblical liberty and say it was probably a pin drop moment. They probably all looked at each other and went, is this a trick question? Like, what do we say right now? Like, he's asking us who he is. But Peter is inspired by God and he says this, you are the Christ. Now, the Christ means the anointed one, the chosen one chosen by God to complete the purpose of salvation for all of mankind, the one who was to reveal earth, sorry, heaven to earth and to reveal the Father to all the children and reconcile them. Now the question is, is this who you define Jesus as today? Do you say Jesus is the Christ today, Sam? What about you, Anna? Do you say Jesus is the Christ today? Because if you do, then that should fill you with incredible hope. Now hope is the expectation of what is promised. Hope deals with what we can't see. Like, I hope Anton is here today. Doesn't really work because I could see him, right? He's here. But hope deals with what is invisible, what you can't see but you can expect because you know it's coming. Now, hope comes to us from God in the form of Jesus. We know we can place our hope in him because he has proved himself faithful and true. He is our hope. 
And uh, Tim read this scripture a couple of weeks ago from the book of Romans. Paul wrote it. And trusting in Jesus causes us to overflow with hope. We know this because the word says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'll ask you one more time today. Who do you say Jesus is? And how do you live in response to who Jesus is? Is he your hope for today and your healing for tomorrow? I'm going to put this idea out there for us to consider today. And it's this. A well-placed hope will always result in life. A well-placed hope will always result in life. Now, translate it, that just means hope in Jesus will always result in life. Now, life is breath. It is existence. It is the ability to grow and to change. It is divine activity. It is strength. It is everything we need, our beginning, middle, and end. Now, a few weeks ago at Easter time, I made this statement that in Jesus, we will find all life. Everything we need is tied up in him. In fact, you can't have true life apart from him. Now, how do I know this? Because Jesus made three completely outrageous claims about himself. And if we believe them to be true, we can actually hang our hope on them, expecting to see them in this life and the next. Now, the three crazy things he dared to say about himself are this. Firstly, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then he says, he has come that we, you and me, can have life and have life to its fullest. And then he goes on to say, I, he, I am the resurrection and the life. Three very outrageous claims. What I want to tell you today is that Jesus is the one thing, the one sure thing you can place your hope in today and find healing for your tomorrow. And I'm not just talking about the absence of sickness. Healing is actually more than that. Healing is the process of making or becoming sound and healthy again. Healing actually means being a whole person. Now, who knows that I haven't quite arrived yet? I've got a bit of work still to do. You're allowed to put your hand up and say, yes, gosh, Rose, we know. But you know what? (laughs) Good one. You know what? You haven't arrived yet either. We haven't arrived yet because we are people in a place where we say, Jesus, we love you and we recognize our need for you and we trust in you and hope in you. And as we do that each day within us, he does something incredible. He changes us. He makes us whole. He makes us more beautiful, just like him, because he works with broken pieces. He's like the master jigsaw puzzle maker. He's like the master Lego master. He works with broken pieces and he puts them back together. He makes us sound and healthy again. Now, today we're going to have a look at three eyewitness accounts of things Jesus did while he walked the earth. And each three of these accounts demonstrate who people thought he was and then how they lived in response to that belief of him. We're going to look at how their hope in Jesus brought their soundness and their healing. The first story is the story of the centurion's son, and it's found in John 4. So the centurion was just a government official. That's what they called him. So the backdrop is Jesus had just traveled through Samaria, and he was now in Galilee, which is his hometown. And there was a government official there, and his son was gravely sick. So we pick it up in verse 47. When Jesus, sorry, when he, the centurion, heard that Jesus had come to Judea from Galilee, he went to him. 
and he asked him to go to Capernaum and heal his son who was about to die. Now, Jesus was in his hometown where he said about himself that they, they accept me the least here, you know, back at home. They accept who I am the least. And so a little frustrated, Jesus perhaps says, none of you will ever believe unless you see miracles and wonders. And then the centurion, I'm guessing, must have eyeballed Jesus with a bit of look of desperation in his face. And he said, sir, come with me before my child dies. Jesus says to him, go, your son will live. The man believed Jesus' words and went. On his way home, his servants met him with news. Your boy is going to live. He asked them what time it was when his son got better. And they answered, it was about one o'clock yesterday afternoon when the fever left him. And then the father remembered that it was at that very hour Jesus had told him, your son will live. So then he and all his family believed. This centurion had hope. He had hope that Jesus was who he had claimed to be. He had hope that said, I saw and heard him do miracles for others. So I'm going to hope that he can do a miracle for my son. And some might say he actually had the audacity to even ask. Because let's be real, back in Bible times, the government wasn't very nice to the Jewish people. So here was a guy who was typically mean to this people group, now asking him for a favour. But... This is Jesus. This is how awesome he is. He looks beyond all of that and he sees the hope inside the centurion and he sees that he knows he can heal his son. So Jesus does one thing. He speaks a word and it changes everything. So here we see a well-placed hope leading to life. Here we see quite literally hope for today and healing for tomorrow because he had the hope, went on his way, and finds out the next day that the healing has occurred. Quite literally, hope for the day and healing for tomorrow. Now the next story, like if you just think that's awesome, wait till you get to the next story. Here we have the story of Jairus and Jairus' daughter. It's found in Mark 5. Now the backdrop of this story is that Jesus has just healed a demon-possessed man over the other side of the lake. He gets back in his boat and goes back into town, right? And there he's met by Jairus, who's a religious leader. Also, typically, not one of Jesus' best friends. Doesn't like Jesus either, right? And Jairus, the minute Jesus gets off the boat, throws himself down at Jesus' feet. He says this, My little daughter is very sick. Please come and place your hands on her so that she will get well and live. But it probably would have sounded more like this. My daughter is very, 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 very sick. Please just come now. Come, come, come now. It would have sounded something like that. He was desperate. So Jesus starts off with him. There's no, Jesus says, let's go. And so many people were going along with them that they were crowding Jesus in on every side. And then Jesus is interrupted. Enter the woman with the issue of blood, okay? Now, this lady has been sick for over 12 years. She spent all of her money on doctors and not one, could you believe it? Not one could help her, not one doctor. And so... She goes, I have nothing to lose. This guy might be my only hope. So she puts her hope in Jesus. And she knows if I can just touch him, maybe, just maybe, I will be healed. And she gets through the crowd and she touches him and she's healed. Now, she's not the star of today's story, but I don't think we can talk about it without mentioning her because she had incredible hope which led to life. She had incredible hope, which led to healing, right? 
but we're going to segue back to Jairus. This interruption has just happened. Now, Anna, if it was you, tell me, your daughter is about to die. You've asked the master to come and heal her, and now he's just stopped because someone's touched him. Would you be thinking, what the heck? <laughs> what the heck, Jesus? What are you stopping for? My daughter is about to die. We don't have time to stop. I need you now. I'm guessing that was Jairus' thought pattern because would it have been your thought pattern if your child was dying? But while the Jesus is sorting out the stuff with this woman, some messengers from Jairus' house come and they say, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter has died. But Jesus pays no attention to them. He looks straight at Jairus and he says to him, don't be afraid, only believe. Now, why would Jesus say that to him? I think it's because Jesus knows what's in our heart and he knows what we're thinking and praying even before those words might leave our lips. Here he is looking at this father and seeing absolute fear and desperation in his eyes. But he also can see the hope that brought him to Jesus in the first place. And here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, I am who you hope I am. Do not let fear rob you of your hope. And I think in that moment, he upgrades Jairus and says, don't just hope, now believe. Hope is in the invisible, what we can't see. But believing is a little bit more concrete, I think. Having that deep trust that can't be moved. He says, now believe. And Jesus upgrades him in that moment. In verse 37, he doesn't let, Jesus doesn't let anyone go out and with him now. He says, Peter, James, John, you guys, you're coming with me, let's go. And they get to Jairus' house where Jesus sees all this confusion and he heard the loud crying and wailing. He goes in and says to them, why is there all this confusion? Why are you crying? The child is not dead, she is only sleeping. And they all start making fun of him, so he sends them out. So don't make fun of Jesus, okay? He sends them out. Then he takes the child's father and mother and the three disciples and they go into the room where the little girl is lying. He takes her by the hand and says to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I tell you, get up. She got up at once. She started walking around. She was 12 years old. And when this happened, they were completely amazed. But Jesus gave them strict orders. Don't tell anyone. Now give her something to eat. You don't really need to explain that story. I mean, if you had been one of the five people in that room, he didn't do a hoo-ha, he didn't do anything. All he did was say, just believe. And then he took her by the hand, spoke two words, and she got up immediately. Now, the last of our three stories is the story of Lazarus, okay? Now, in case you aren't familiar... Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha, and the three of them are like some of Jesus' best friends ever. Now, Lazarus becomes very, very sick. And in John eleven three, we read this. The sisters sent Jesus a message. Lord, your dear friend is sick. Now, Anna, if I call you and I say, Anna, I am very, 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 very sick, right? Are you going to go, oh, yeah, she'll be right. No, you're coming over. You're going to do something, right? I mean, Sam, if a member of your family calls you and says, 
I'm feeling sick today, you're going to try and do something to help. So the sisters reached out. Jesus, your dear friend is sick. The implication is we need you to come, right? But Jesus has got other plans. He's like, ah, let's just stay where we are. She'll be right, mate. He didn't hurry because Jesus knew something that nobody else knew. Verse 4 tells us, he says this to his disciples. The final result of this sickness will not be the death of Lazarus. This has happened in order to bring glory to God and it will be by the means by which the Son of God will receive glory. So a couple of days pass and then Jesus goes, I'm ready now. Let's go see Lazarus. He's fallen asleep, but I will go wake him up. And the disciples answered, well, if he's asleep, Lord, he's going to wake up, right? Not very bright where they end on. No. So Jesus puts it plainly to them. Uh, guys, Lazarus is dead. But for your sake, I was glad I was not with him. So you'll believe. Now let us go. Absolutely. When Jesus arrived, he found out Lazarus had already been buried four days. So he didn't hurry, right? Four days later, he goes to see his friends. And the place is full of mourners comforting Mary and Martha. Now Martha hears that Jesus has arrived. She goes out to meet him but Mary stayed in the house. Martha says to him, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now God, now God will give you whatever you ask him for. Jesus says your brother will rise to life. I know, she replied, he will rise to, death, rise to life on the last day. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will never die. Making sure I'm reading that right. Those who believe in me will live even though they die. And those who live in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord. And then she proclaims who she knows him to be. I do believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after Martha has this conversation with Jesus, she goes and finds her sister and says, Jesus is looking for you. So she hurries out to meet him. And all the mourners think, oh, she's going to the tomb. So they all go out with her. Mary arrives to where Jesus is and she falls at his feet and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus sees her weeping and how the people with her are weeping and he's deeply moved. Where have you buried him? He asks. Come and see, Lord, they answered. So then Jesus wept. See how much he loved him, the people said. But some of them said, well, he gave sight to the blind man, didn't he? Could he not have kept Lazarus from dying? But they didn't know what he knew. Remember what he knew in verse 4? Was this going to be the end of Lazarus? No. Deeply moved once more, Jesus goes to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone placed at the entrance. Take the stone away, Jesus ordered. Martha, Martha the dead man's sister says to him, there'll be a bad smell, Lord. He's been buried for four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you, you would see God's glory if you believed? He's reminding her again, you hoped I would do something. That's why you called me. You called me to come because you hoped I would. Then I had a chat with you and I reminded you who I was and you confessed you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. And now I'm reminding you again, trust me, believe. He said, take the stone away. Jesus looks up and he says, I thank you, Father, that you listen to me. I know that you always listen to me, but I say this for the sake of the people here so that they will believe that you sent me. And after he said this, he called out in a loud voice, 
Come on, say it with me. Lazarus, come out. He came out and his hands and his feet were wrapped in grave cloths and with a cloth around his face, untie him, Jesus said, and let him go. Again, to have been there, right? To have been there. Three words, Lazarus, come out. This whole master plan in the making that people there wouldn't have known because years later the story was written down. We see the beginning, the middle and the end of this story. Some people only saw the end. Now there's so much in this story, but we're looking at it in the context of a well-placed hope leading to life. And we're looking at Jesus being our hope for today and our healing for tomorrow. So here we've got two sisters, as I said, they're brothers on the verge of death and they call their best friend Jesus because they know who he is. So they live in response to their belief in him. I know he's the healer, let's call the healer. They have faith and hope in him. If they didn't think he could heal Lazarus, they wouldn't have called him. Let's call it for what it is. But Jesus takes his time to come and they don't know why he's taking his time. I mean, when he finally arrives, their brother's dead. So how would you respond? If you knew he was the only one who could heal and he took his sweet time coming, you might reply the way Martha did. If you had been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened. But she hasn't lost hope because straight after she says that, she says, but even now, whatever you ask God, he'll do. Can you, Jesus? Will you, Jesus? And in the conversation that Jesus has with her, he centers her faith again and he lifts her hope. He reminds her, this is who I am. You won't die if you believe in me. Those who live in me will never die. And then the second sister comes. It's like on repeat, right? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Hello? But you know, I bet Jesus still hears this. I bet we all say that to him sometimes. You know, we know how he should work. If you would just do this and shift that and move this, it'll all work out, God. But he knows things that we don't know, just like he knew this wouldn't be the end of Lazarus because God had a plan to reveal his glory and bring him glory. And so we think that we know what Jesus should do and we sort of go, well, you know, Lord, why didn't you? Or if you had done this, that wouldn't have happened. But we just don't see the beginning, middle, end sometimes like he does. And I love that it talks about Jesus being moved with compassion. Don't ever be afraid to wear your heart on your sleeve in front of Jesus because he feels what we feel and he feels when we feel. So don't ever be afraid to wear your heart on your sleeve in front of him. I mean, you don't air your dirty laundry to the world. We don't do that. (laughs) You know, not everyone needs to know everything you're going through all the time, but he does because he's the place you can land that's safe. He does because he's the one who can do something about it. He's the place where you can place your hope and find life. He's moved with compassion and raises Lazarus to life again. A well-placed hope leads to life. Jesus was Lazarus, Mary and Martha's hope for today and healing for tomorrow. So here we've got these three eyewitness accounts of things Jesus did while he walked the earth. And each of these stories starts with who they believe Jesus was. So who do you say Jesus is? And then it determines how they respond to Jesus. What do they do with that belief? Now, each of these characters came to Jesus with a request and they demonstrated hope and trust in him. Now, each of these stories also demonstrate all three of those crazy claims Jesus made about himself. They were actually true. 
He proved to be life, he proved to give life, and he proved to be the resurrection and the life in all three of these stories, right? So what can we take from it? Jesus is the source of all life. Jesus is the source of all hope. A well-placed hope will always lead to life. And Jesus is our hope for when? Today and our healing for? Tomorrow. Yeah. But we can actually find ourselves inside of these stories. So I want to invite you today to think about this. We all need something. We all need a miracle of some kind. We all need healing of some kind to be made sound and healthy again. So do you relate to the centurion? The centurion didn't let his power, position or status become something that got in the way of him asking Jesus for a favour. In fact, Jesus looked at it as an equaliser. He didn't say, because he is who he is, I'm not doing the miracle, or because he is who he is, I better do the miracle. He didn't let any of that get in the way. I mean, he also, the centurion also didn't go, oh my gosh, what are people going to think if they see me, a man of power, asking Jesus for a favour? He didn't let that get in the way of what he knew Jesus could do. He needed a miracle and he was going to hope the only person he knew who could do it actually would do it. And he took Jesus at his word. Jesus said, go, your child will live. He took Jesus at his word and the miracle led him then and his family to believe in Jesus. What can we take from that? If you can identify with that today, what you can take is that no matter who you are, if you reach out to Jesus in hope, he will meet you. Do you relate to Jairus? Jairus had hope and he was desperate for his miracle. He fell at the feet of Jesus saying, come and heal my daughter, she is going to die. But there was a delay and an interruption to his miracle. Then Jesus spoke to his fear and reminded him to hope and believe because he was who he said he was. Jesus is saying, remember Jairus, what you came to me for. Remember, I am that person. Now, are you perhaps like Jairus? You feel like there's been an interruption to your miracle. Are you feeling like you're battling the place between hope and fear? Can I encourage you this morning? What you can take from this story is to lean in to hope. Fear will rob and torment you, but a well-placed hope leads to life every time. You need to imagine Jesus saying to you, only believe. Or do you relate to Mary and Martha? They hoped and believed and they called on Jesus, but now it all just seems too late. He's dead. He's, what can you do now, God? It's over. It's finished. Have you ever said to God, if you'd been here, if you'd showed up on time, this wouldn't have happened. I believe if this is you, Jesus would want to center your faith again and lift your hope again reminding you who he is. I am the resurrection and the life. Remember? So if a well-placed hope leads to life every time, the question is, how do I stay in a place of hope? Do you know what? I have the answer for you today. Stay with the person of hope. Hang out with Jesus. It's super simple. Hope is lacking. Go to the source. Don't go to a substitute. Go to the source of hope, the one reliable thing who is constant and unchanging, Jesus Christ. 
Find out who he is by finding out all you can about him. The Bible's not just a suggestion. It's like the book of who he is, right? Read it. Find out everything about he's done. Then talk to people and find out what he's doing right now. And find out what he promises for your tomorrow and for your future. Because that gives you more to hope in and more to believe in. Tell stories of hope. When you get together with someone, share your story of hope. Because you don't know how it's going to encourage them. You know why people believed in the next town and the next town and the next town when Jesus did something in the town over there? Because the story spread faster than what he could go. Okay, they didn't need no social media. They just told and they kept going, okay? So tell stories of hope because you don't know how your story is gonna encourage the next person or help them to believe for what they are now going through. Tell those stories. And lastly, you just have to tell fear to take the back seat. Do not let it rob and torment you. You choose hope. You choose to choose hope. So we're going to end where we started. Who do you say Jesus is? And how do you live in response to who Jesus is? Do you believe truly that he is your hope for today and your healing for tomorrow? Because if you do, you'll place your hope in him. And this is what you will find, that a well-placed hope will always lead to life, always. Come on, let's pray for a second. Heavenly Father, we just love you so very, 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 very much. And Jesus, King of hope, Prince of peace, we welcome you into this place. We welcome you into our hearts. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. And I thank you that you have been moving inside of us and helping us to see ourselves inside the words and the works and the miracles of Jesus. God, as we identify with the people who you walked with, God, I thank you that we would take the lesson with us. God, to leave fear behind, to put our trust in you, to put our hope in you, to trust that you have a bigger plan. We might not see how you can make something out of what's in front of us. But Jesus, the story's not over till you say it is. It's never over till you say it is. You get the final word and your word is always a better word. So Father, I thank you that in this place now, as we open our hearts and we prepare to worship you, as we open our hearts and we prepare to embrace all that you are and connect with heaven, God, let hope rise within us. Let hope rise within us. Come on, why don't you stand where you are? Why don't you stand where you are? God, we we open our lives to hope. Come on, if you feel comfortable this morning, just open your hands before him. Let hope rise. Rise from your heart towards heaven, that He is who He says He is, that He will meet with us in this place and that He will work in us and around us for His purposes. We thank You that in this place today, Jesus, as we settle who You are to us, God, our tomorrows are gonna look so different. The landscape of our lives is changing because of where we place our hope. We love you, God, and we thank you. We thank you that we get to worship you here. In Jesus' name, amen.